स्वामी निखिलानंद इज अ डिसाइपल ऑफ जगत गुरु श्री कृपालुजी महाराज ही रिजाइड्स एट राधा माधव धाम इन ऑस्टन टेक्सस व्हिच इज द यूएस आश्रम ऑफ जगत गुरु कृपालु परिषद ही ट्रैवल्स अमेरिका प्रीचिंग द फिलॉसफी ऑफ सनातन धर्म एज टॉट बाय श्री कृपालुजी महाराज इन दिस सीरीज ऑफ लेक्चर्स स्वामी निखिलानंद एक्सप्लेन्स द थ्री पाथ्स टू गॉड कर्म ज्ञान एंड भक्ति He reveals the scriptural teachings behind each path and tells which path is the best one to follow. So far in this series I've explained to you right from the beginning that it is the goal of every soul to attain God. God realization means the attainment of ultimate happiness and freedom from sorrows forever and there is no other way of attaining that other than attaining god in order to attain god we have to surrender to god because there's no means of reaching god on our own the only way of reaching god is to receive god's grace so god is gracious by nature it's not that he's holding back his grace from some and giving it to others but those who surrender are able to receive that grace so we surrender that allows us to receive his grace and through that grace we attain our ultimate goal of parmananda prapti and maya nivritti or dukh nivritti dukh means suffering and maya means this material power that produces the whole world getting free from maya is the same as getting free from suffering now in order to become surrendered we have to follow a path because it's the mind that has to be surrendered and the mind is already attached in the world so we have to follow some path that allows us to transfer our attachment from the world to god so the paths to god are three in number the path of karma the path of gyan and the path of bhakti karma means the path of action gyan means the path of knowledge and bhakti means the path of devotion explaining about these three i explained to you that the path of karma becomes karma yoga if bhakti is added and if not then just karma alone can only take one to swarg and swarg is also within maya so even if you go to swarg you don't get maya nivritti dukh nivritti you don't get supreme happiness by attaining god so the path of karma is incomplete on its own but if you add in devotion to god it becomes karma yoga which means having the mind attached to god but physically doing the good karma in relation to the path of gyan i explained to you that there's a very similar situation the path of gyan on its own can lead one up to atma gyan which is a very high state you can say the highest mayak state but you're still not free from maya you're free from suffering as long as you remain in samadhi but as soon as you come out the whole world is there so the atma gyani also has to surrender to god through bhakti otherwise he will fall from his high state 
So surrendering through bhakti makes the jnani a jnani yogi, just like the karmi becomes a karma yogi. So it means that out of the three paths, neither karma or jnana are complete on their own. They only take you to God-realization if you add in bhakti. So out of the three paths, bhakti is supreme and bhakti is independent because it is it can give you success without depending on any other path like karma or jnana. And also, bhakti is the most realistic for us to follow because the path of karma has many, many rules that are almost impossible to follow in Kali The path of jnana has a very high qualification to even begin. Even if someone could qualify for the path of jnana, it's very difficult to stay on the path because it requires continuous renunciation. You could fall again and again from the path and it takes thousands of lifetimes. So the path of jnana and karma are difficult in and of themselves, not to mention the fact that they in the end depend on bhakti for their success anyway. Looking at the path of bhakti, I explained that bhakti itself is of two kinds. There's divine bhakti, which is the highest divine power, which even keeps God under its control. And having received that power, souls enjoy the highest state of divine bliss. So that is called Siddha Bhakti or Prema Bhakti. It's a divine power which is just gifted by God. So again the question comes, why hasn't he gifted us? Well, because we're not qualified to receive it yet. And the delay isn't from his side, but we have to have a suitable vessel in which to receive it. That's our Antahakaran. So our heart or mind has to be purified. And how is it purified? Through the other kind of bhakti. The bhakti you do. One bhakti you receive from God upon complete heart purification. And the other bhakti you have to practice. So that bhakti is called sadhana bhakti. We do not attain divine bhakti because of our sadhana bhakti. That divine bhakti cannot be attained. It's given by God. But to become qualified to receive it, we have to do sadhana bhakti. So the whole reason for doing sadhana bhakti is simply to purify the heart. And the heart is purified by attaching it to God. Very simple. That's what sadhana bhakti does, is it transfers the attachment of your mind from the world to God. The more this goes on happening, the more your mind purifies. So in order for this to be successful, we have to understand what is the proper way of practicing this sadhana bhakti, so that it actually purifies our heart. And we found that there are a few conditions mentioned in the scriptures. The first one, which I told you, is very difficult for some people to accept, even though it's easy to understand. 
That is that on the path of sadhana bhakti we don't ask God for worldly things. <clears throat> and the reason is that if we're asking God for worldly things, it means that our goal is maya, not God. So then how will we attain God? How will we attain freedom from maya by asking for more mayic things? So it means we haven't even understood the goal. And on top of that, it means that our attachment of our mind is in the world. Even if we're praying to God, the thing we're asking for is a worldly thing. So it means that our mind is attached in the world. So that's not real sadhana bhakti if we're just asking God for worldly things. So all of the scriptures we looked at emphasized that we must not ask God for any worldly thing. If we're able to accept this, then we're qualified to really start on the path of bhakti. Without accepting this, we're not even taking the first step on the path. So if we understand that, then we come to the next condition, which I covered in some detail, about bhakti being independent that we have to realize if we're going to practice sadhana bhakti, that should be the main practice we're doing. It doesn't need to have the overbearing uh, presence of karma or jnana or yoga or any other practice. If you happen to adopt any practice along with bhakti, that practice should be subservient to bhakti. It's just along for the ride. Bhakti is the main thing you're doing. If at all you adopt any other practice. And if not, bhakti on its own is enough to give you the outcome of all other paths. So that is an important condition as well. That bhakti should be independent. Yesterday I explained to you about the personal form of God. How... God is both Sakar and Nirakar. Although he's omnipresent, yet he also appears on our earth planet. And that is the personal form of God to whom we do devotion. Remember I told you that a Jnana Yogi, he's doing bhakti, he's doing devotion to the impersonal God, formless God. That's called Abhed Bhakti. Now, on the path of bhakti-yoga, we do devotion to the personal form of God. That's called bheda-bhakti. Abheda-bhakti, that's what the jnani does on his path. His meditation involves trying to conceive of formless God, which is very, very difficult. To think of a formless thing is very difficult because we're accustomed to thinking of things with form. So that's another reason why Jnana Marg is very difficult. And on Bhakti Marg, we meditate on the personal form of God, any personal form of God. We say Sakar Brahm. And we meditate on our relationship with Him. This is the next condition establish a relationship with God. Now this sounds like a very simple thing, but in fact, the whole talk today is just going to be based on understanding this one thing. Anukulyena, anukulyena krishnanu shilanam. 
Rupa Goswami says we should have anukulyena means a positive attachment of our mind with a, a feeling of relationship to God that will develop the bhakti in our heart so again this is only possible with a personal form can anyone feel related to a formless impersonal energy it's not possible just think of what relationships do we have we have you think of friend you think of mother father son daughter husband wife so when i say any of these things they all pertain to a particular person for you when i say that word you think of a person is it possible for you to have a friendly feeling with a formless something that you've never seen no so there's no question of a relationship with god in his impersonal aspect so this is why i explained to you about the divinity and the eternity of god's personal form in my speech yesterday and today we're going to understand how to develop a relationship with him in our heart because that's bhakti means feeling related to god having like a loving feeling of affection or affinity for him so the first thing to keep in mind is that if we want to have a relationship it's best not to try to develop that relationship with bhagavan now you may say isn't that what you've been telling us all along we have to do we have to love god we have to develop a relationship with him then how am i to do that but not have a relationship with bhagavan so understand the meaning of the word bhagavan aishwaryasya samagrasya dharmasya yashasa shriya bhag refers to six things in unlimited amount aishwarya which means power glory dharma means righteousness goodness yash means worshipfulness greatness everybody loves him worships him shri means beauty wealth opulence in unlimited amount gyan that means knowledge and vairagya renunciation and self complacency the one who has these six things in unlimited amount is called bhagavan van means wala bhagavala the one who has those six things is bhagavan and we're we're going to think of having a relationship with him but think of who we are and how we think of ourselves as souls before god do we have anything that compares to his bhag no not even close we have a not even a you can say like a drop of water compared to the ocean even that is too big of a comparison a drop of water is too much in terms of power knowledge opulence beauty uh all of those things i mentioned god has them in unlimited amount and we have such a tiny amount it's like 
if someone's a beggar and they look to a princess, the princess, the daughter of the king of the whole land, would that beggar ever really seriously consider marrying the princess? No, the beggar would never think it was possible. He would just think, you know, I'll marry another beggar. I'll marry someone of my status. There's no chance I'll get to marry a princess like that. So would the would that beggar actually start to develop any kinds of feelings of affinity for the princess? No. Similarly, if we think of God in that status as Bhagawan and us as ordinary souls, then truly, why would we ever think God would look towards us? Would God want to be our friend or any kind of relationship like that? What would he get out of such a relationship? So for this reason, saints have said that we have to adopt five bhav in order, one of five bhav in order to worship God. These five bhav are the, are the means of removing his bhag. See, like when Arjun asked Sri Krishna for his divine vision, he says, Drashtumichamite rupa maishwaram purushottama. Oh Krishna, I want to see your Aishwarya Roop. In other words, your Bhagavala Roop. I want to see you in your ultimate, divine, almighty glory, power. I want to see your full divine power. Because he'd been explaining to Arjun throughout the Gita how powerful he was. That he's supreme God. The whole world comes from him and exists in him. So Arjun said, I believe you, but I want to see it with my own eyes. I want to experience it. So Krishna graced him to receive divine eyes. And with his divine eyes, with his divine vision, he actually saw Krishna's total almightiness. And what was his reaction? Nantam namadhyam napunas. Vadim Pashyami Vishveshvara Vishvarupa. Oh Krishna, you have no beginning, no end, no middle part. You're filling the whole universe. Wherever I look, I only see you, and everywhere I look, you are there, and the whole world is there inside of you. So, how did that, that make Arjun feel? He said, Disho na jane na labhe cha sharma prasida devesh jagannivasa. He said, I don't know which way is up and which way is down and which way is left and which way is right, and I'm feeling unsettled. I can't get my bearings. He says, Bhitaha, Bhitaha. He's trembling in front of Krishna in this form. So, that's Bhagavan. Now love him. <laughs> it's difficult. 
So in the end, Arjun said to Shri Krishna that Tadeva me darshayadeva rupam prasida devesha jagannivasa Krishna, can you please resume your form as my friend? How you were before? I don't want to see this almighty form anymore. It was impressive, but I like you better in your friendly form, as my friend and cousin, Sri Krishna. So, in order to get past this, we, because this would be all of our reaction, if we think of God, then how will we do bhakti to him? So we have to find a way of overcoming that. And saints say, to overcome it, you adopt one of the five bhav. A bhav is a mode or a way of relating yourself to God, which starts removing his bhagavata. He doesn't lose his power, but you can say that it uh, removes the focus on that, on his divine power. So these five bhav, or five modes of relating to him, are called shantabhav, Dasyabhav, Sakyabhav, Vatsalyabhav, and Madhuryabhav. From one to the next, they actually go on increasing in closeness. See, Shantabhav, the worldly example of this, is if you think of a king and you're a subject of the king. So now there's some relationship there, but it's still a very distant relationship. Closer than that would be Dasyabhav, which is servant to master. So the servant of the king has a much closer relationship with the king than just ordinary subjects do. The next one is Sakyabhav. Sakyabhav means a friend-to-friend relationship obviously closer than servant to master. Beyond that is Vatsalibhav. Vatsalibhav means like a parent to a child, which is even closer than friend to friend. And the fifth and highest one is Madhuribhav. When it's like Priyatam, Preyasi and Priyatam, beloved to beloved. These five bhao have been recommended by saints through the ages that if you want to really develop a feeling of relationship with God, then adopt one of these five bhao. It's also interesting to note that each one is included in the next. So it means that shant bhao does not include any of the other bhao. It only includes the feelings of subject to king. Dasyabhav, which is the servant to master, that feeling includes the previous one. It includes the feelings of Shantabhav. The next one, Sakyabhav, includes the feelings of friend to friend and servant to master and subject to king. The fourth one, Vatsalyabhav, includes all of the previous ones, Shant, Dasya, Sakya, and the feelings of Vatsalya, parent to child. And Madhuryabhav includes all of them together. So in Madhuryabhav, that feeling, it includes the feeling of beloved to beloved, 
parent to child, friend to friend, servant to master, and subject to king. For this reason, it's recommended that people adopt Madhuri Bhav for two reasons. One, it's the closest. Well, I'll give you more examples in a minute, but out of all of those relationships, Madhuri Bhav is the closest relationship, both in the world and in our devotion to God. And secondly, it gives you the most convenience and freedom because if you're in Shant Bhav, you only have one option. You can only think of God as being the king. If you're in Dasya Bhav, you have two options. Sakya Bhav, you have three options. Vatsalya Bhav, you have four options. But in Madhuri Bhav, you have access to all of the lower Bhav as well. So if you feel like worshipping him with Madhuri Bhav, you can. If you feel like switching to Vatsalya Bhav, you can. Switch again to Sakya Bhav, you can. You have the freedom to do that. That's not necessarily true in the world. You know, uh, a parent doesn't treat their child as a child one moment and then as their best friend the next moment and then as their master the next moment. You don't switch like that in the world. But in our relationship with God, we can. We have that total freedom. That if one minute you're feeling like, oh, I just want to think like I'm his servant and he's my master, you can do that. Then you think, no, 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 I want to feel that he's my friend. You can do that. Then you decide, no, I want to think of him as my beloved, like Mira thought of Krishna. You can do that. But you only have that freedom to switch through all of them if you've adopted the Madhuri Bhav form of worship. For example, Tulsi Dasji worshipped Bhagwan Ram with the feeling of Dasi Bhav. He felt that he was servant and Bhagwan Ram was his loving master. So one day when he came to uh, Vrindavan, he came to Radha Ramana Mandir and there he saw his beloved Ram as Krishna because there in Vrindavan, in Radha Ramana Mandir, Shri Krishna is there with Radha and they're standing as you often see them standing with each one with the arm around the neck and the heads tilted together like that standing in a loving pose. So Tulsidasji, as soon as he entered the mandir he put his eyes down. Why? Because a Das does not have the right to see his master in that position in such a loving, you can say informal pose. The servant has a very formal relationship with his master. So he averted his eyes and he prayed that, uh, O Ram, please take up your bow and arrow. Otherwise there will be a stain on my bhakti because I don't have the right to see you in this form. So lose the murali and the morpunk and stand straight and take up your bow and arrow so that my bhakti, so that the world doesn't say Tulsi Dasji crossed the bounds of his Dasi Bhav Bhakti. So Krishna had to. The flute and morpunk disappeared, his crown became straight, he stood straight, and the bow and arrow and quiver all appeared, and they be- Radhaji also stood straight like Sita. So we see that 
there are differences between these different bhav and in madhuri bhav you have access to all of the different bhav now shant bhav since it's such a distant relationship servant not even servant uh, king to subject that's too distant so rasik saints have said forget that one too it's too distant you want to at least be his das you want to at least be his servant so that uh, shant bhav actually relates to baikunt abod the almighty forms of god like for instance if someone attains mahavishnu they become a saint and they go in the divine world what would there be what their would their experience be like they would see mahavishnu sitting on his throne they would be there in the court with everybody else so they could admire his bhag basically they could admire all of that but they couldn't come close and have any kind of personal interaction there are no leelas in baikunt abode the saints that go over there don't get to interact in the form of leelas not like gwalbals and gopis they exist in the divine world in divine vrindavan divine golok and there are eternally leelas happening over there in ram's abode saket abode also there are eternally leelas happening but in the almighty abode of vishnu shiva durga these are almighty forms of god so you can't have loving leelas you can observe and admire and don't get me wrong that would be an experience of unlimited bliss for that bhakt saint remember i told you that the gyani saint after liberation merges into formless god and never experiences the divine bliss because he finished his mind his antahkaran is gone So how can the soul without that experience anything? He can't. So the one who attains Baikunt abode, if he attains the divine vision of any of the almighty forms of God, he goes to Baikunt abode and receives a divine body and a divine antahkaran, divine senses. So with that, for all eternity he experiences unlimited bliss of Bhagwan. but rasik saints say there's something more beyond that that if you want a more personal relationship with god if you want to take part in his leelas then don't adopt shant bhav go beyond that so the next one is dasya bhav you see krishna himself is mahavishnu i explained that yesterday यस्यकनिश्वसितकालमथावलंब्य जीवन्ति लोमविलजाजगदंडनाथा विष्णुर्महांस इह यस्य कलाविशेषो गोविंदमादिपुरुषं तमहं भजामि Mahavishnu is part of Krishna's personality. So it means being almighty God is part of who Krishna is, but it's not all of who he is. 
For instance, let's say there's a Supreme Court judge. That Supreme Court judge has so much power. That person may have to make decisions that uh, you know could mean life or death for other people. Now that judge is viewed with everybody with extreme respect and formality. But the same judge is not only a judge, right? When the judge goes home, the judge has a wife, or if it's a woman, the judge has a husband, has children, has a mother and father, has friends. So it means the judge is not only a judge. The judge is the judge when he or she is at work, and when they come home, then the rest of the world gets to see the other side of their personality. Now, if the judge is out in public, then he'll keep behaving in that judge-like way. But when he's in the privacy of his own home, with his personal relations, his own family and friends, then, in fact, they don't even think of him like a judge. Do you think the the mother of that judge treats him like a judge? No. She still scolds him bosses him around, (laughs) maybe even tells him that he's ignorant. You know, you don't know anything. When are you going to grow up? He's a Supreme Court judge who makes life and death decisions, but his mother is telling him, you don't when are you going to grow up? So Ye Maka Adhikarhana, the mother has the right because she she doesn't think of him as being a judge. Similarly, the wife He's my husband. I don't care if he's a judge. The son or daughter, just come and sit on their father's lap the way any child does. They don't sit more formally knowing that, oh, my father's a judge. No, he's my father. That's it. The judge has friends, probably friends from college or even friends from childhood. They've known him for so long since before he was a judge How can they think of him as a judge? They think of him as that boy we grew up playing tag with, teasing, you know, getting into trouble with. He's the same one who's now a sitting Supreme Court judge. So in the privacy, uh, then the friends will also just treat him like friends. So in much the same way, God is not only a supreme judge and almighty God. He also has a very playful, loving side to his personality. And he reveals that to those devotees who worship him with one of the other four bhav. So leaving shant bhav aside, worship him with dasya, sakya, vatsalya or madhurya bhav. So look in dasya bhav. An example of the feelings of Dasya Bhav. Panchatvam Tanure Tubhuta Nivaha Swanshe Vishantus Putam. Someone who worships God with the feelings of Dasya Bhav is saying to God that, uh, How am I going to serve you after I leave this body? God says to him, well, you'll come to my divine abode, you'll get a divine body, and with that divine body, you'll serve me here in my divine abode. He says, yes, I know that part. I meant, what about my physical body I'm leaving behind, my material body? That should not go to waste. 
What do you mean? What do you want to do with it? <laughs> he says, I have a desire that my physical body should keep serving you even here on this earth after I'm gone. Oh, how? See, all of our physical bodies are made of panchamahabhut, five material elements. So those material elements are space, wind, fire, stage, water, and earth. So he says, I want that the uh, element of space of my body should merge into the space in your angan, in your courtyard where you walk. And in that way, I'll keep having that association with you. And the element of wind, the element of bayou, I want that to merge into the air and be there when on a hot day someone is fanning you, I should be in that air that goes and makes you feel cooler. And the element of page, of uh, fire or light, that should be in the mirror, that should merge into your mirror or be used to make a mirror that you use to look at your face. And the element of water, that should go in the water that you use to bathe. And the element of prithvi, of earth, that should merge into the earth, that earth which is there in the path, the nice soft path where you walk barefoot, so I can keep getting your charan sparsh. So this is the feeling of dasyabhav, the genuine desire to serve your beloved Swami for his happiness. However, in Dasya Bhav, there's a lot of formality. You know, I mean, a servant to a master, no matter how benevolent the master is and how much the servant loves his master, there's a lot of formality which is still observed. See, look at what Bharat Ji says. Sira dharma asamora he says, the dharma of a sevak is the most difficult of all to follow. As an example, he says, as your servant, it's my duty to place my forehead in every place where you step. He's talking to Ram. Who could actually do that? Even Lakshman, for 14 years, he walked behind Ram and Sita, and he never once stepped on one of their footprints. He felt it would have been disrespectful for him to place his foot where either of them had placed their foot. Through mountain passes, through jungles, through narrow little trails, he walked without stepping on their footprints. But was he able to place his head in every one of their footprints? <laughs> no. So it said, Seva dharma paramagahano yoginam apyagamyaha. This seva dharma, to be able to follow all the formalities of seva dharma, it's beyond the reach of even great yogis. So there's a lot of formality and restriction in that dasyabhav. Yet, you see, even in dasyabhav, there starts to be an upwelling of premras. You know that divine power, the divine bhakti, that starts to come up. So that 
bhakti ras or prem ras, it has the effect. Well, let me show you in an example. Prabhu taru tar kapi dar par. Ram is sitting on the ground beneath a tree and Hanumanji and all of the Banar Sena, all of his servants are sitting in the tree above his head. It's exactly opposite to Seva Dharma. Yet, neither is Ram scolding them, nor does even Hanumanji realize that I shouldn't be sitting higher than my Swami. Why is this happening? It's because, you see, where there's prem, the ability to follow rules starts to fall away. And where there's rules, prem is restricted. So the two limit each other. The more someone feels that prem ras, the more their consciousness of the formalities kind of starts falling away. And the more they're conscious of those formalities, then the more they have to control those feelings of brain. So in this case, uh, you know, in the Ramayana, if you read the Ramayana, Ram scolded people about their dharma at many places. He gave lectures, he taught people, he told them, no, you shouldn't be doing this, you should be doing that. He even lectured Sita. So why isn't he lecturing Hanumanji and the uh, and the other Banner who are sitting in an obviously it's a transgression they're transgressing the bounds of the save the rules of seva dharma because neither is even conscious of that you see that prem ras has the effect when it goes to a certain extent, the Swami believes he's a Das and the Das believes he's a Swami. Not pretending, really. They, they get in that state of mind. An example of this is Ramakrishna Paramahans. Ramakrishna Paramahans had Dasya Bhav for Ma Durga. So, he had a mala that he had made and he was going to put it he came to the mandir to put it on her but in his prem samadhi he was saying ma 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 and he put the mala on himself and everybody who was watching was probably thinking inko kya ho gaya aaj why is he doing that but he's not doing he's not aware he actually thought of himself as Ma Durga. So it's not an act or something he's trying to do to impress people. He was in that kind of Prem Samadhi. So Hanumanji is in Prem Samadhi. Ramji is in Prem Samadhi. So nobody is aware in that state of all of those rules. See, another example is when Ram went and met Shabari. Shabari was tasting or had tasted all of those beer to make sure that there were no bitter or sour ones, that she only gave the sweetest ones to Ram. And then she fed them to Ram and Ram accepted them. So now Ram is Mariada Purushottam Brahm. He came here on this earth to show the proper Mariada, the proper how to live according to the Dharma. So, Ram, which dharma is that where you eat someone else's jutha? 
which scripture is that dharma described in? It's not described in any scripture. In fact, it's adharma. Yet he's doing it. Why? For the same reason. Shabri is not thinking of those rules and he's not thinking of those rules. Think of it like, uh, remember I explained Sat, Chit, Anand. So Sat merges into Chit and Sat and Chit merge into Anand. So we have Sad Brahma, Chid Brahma, Anand Brahma. So Chid Brahma means God's all-knowing, omniscience. And Anand Brahm means his blissful, uh, in this case, his Prem. So Chit Brahma merged into Anand Brahm. In other words, Sarvagya forgot. Sarvagya means God is all knowing. And a saint is Gya. There's three things Sarvagya, Gya, and Alpagya. All three are gya. Gya means knowing. So alpagya means us. We know very little. Gya means saints. They know God. So they know everything. However, God is sarvagya because he not he knows every single thought of every single person. A saint is not burdened with that. <laughs> the saint knows God, but a saint doesn't have to, you know, follow along with the thoughts of all the uncountable souls. God takes care of that. So God is sarvagya. Saints are gya, and ordinary souls are alpagya. So here, in this case, both sarvagya and gya, they forgot their gyan totally. Why? Because it merged, it drowned in prem, it drowned in the ras of that das to swami relationship. There's so much ras in that relationship. So, Ram just, you can say literally, forgot all these rules. Shabri forgot all these rules. And that's the way it's supposed to happen in this prem, in, the, in these uh, in this uh, way of worshipping God according to these four bhao, that's what's meant to happen. <laughs> if God remembers He's God, and you remember you're a soul and He's God, I'm just a soul and He's God, why would He love me? Why would He look to me? So we forget that. We adopt these different bhao so that we can forget that we're just the soul and he's God, and God can also forget. See, God gets carried away in it also. His dhyan also drowns in that premras. Bhagwan Ram says to Hanumanji, Ekaikasyo pakarasya. That Hanuman, you have done so, you have served me so much with your heart and soul that to repay even one of the things you've done for me I would have to give you my pran I'd have to give you my life just to pay back one of those things but you've done uncountable things so rini no vayam I will just have to remain subservient I'll have to remain indebted to you forever such feelings 
Bhagwan is expressing for his own devotee, such is the greatness of Dasya Bhav. But beyond this, as I said, is Sakya Bhav. In Sakya Bhav, you come even closer to God. Because, you know, imagine there's a king. So, as I said, the king's servants are closer to him than his subjects. But let's say the servant is cleaning in the king's room, so that's obviously uh, the servant is very close to the king. He gets to enter into his inner quarters and clean and be with the king there. But let's say the king's friend stops by, then the servant may be asked to leave or may be expected to leave so that the king can be with his friend. Now, friends are like equals. When two people first meet, you know, there's a formality, you maintain a formality with people that you first meet. But if they're on the same level as you, then eventually those formalities fade away. As you become friends, then you don't worry about the formalities, you just enjoy each other's company without formality. This is Sakkibhav. The example are the Gwalbals of Braj. They are also divine saints, just like Hanumanji is a divine personality who came to serve Ram. He is the Anchavatar of Bhagwan Shiv. In the same way, those Gwalbals, they are not ordinary souls. Aho Bhagyam, Aho Bhagyam, Nandagopavrajaukasam, Yannitram Paramanandam, Purnam Brahma Sanatanam Bhagavatam. Brahma is praising the Gwalbals, saying that they are Sanatanam Mitram. They are the eternal friends of Purna Brahma, Shri Krishna. It's not like Krishna was playing amongst ordinary souls when he was in Braj. Those saints also came from the divine world to help him reveal those Sakyabhav Leelas. So what were those Leelas like? Those saints don't think of Krishna as God at all. See, in Dasyabhav, there's some bhan still there, some awareness or consciousness that he's God and I'm a soul, I'm his servant. But in Sakyabhav, that's gone, totally. You see, in Dasyabhav, the dharma is put your head wherever your master's feet have touched. In Sakyabhav, Krishna's friends put their feet on Krishna's head. <laughs> it's totally reversed. When Krishna lost the game, then they jumped on his back and made him like a horse. Giddy up, horsey. We said the loser had to become a horse and the winner got to ride him, right? Well, I won. So they jump on his back and dig their heels into his ribs to make, like you would with a horse to make him go faster. So this is Sakyabhava. Can you imagine how much closer you just came to God if you adopt this Sakyabhav? And don't worry, Daromat, that like, he's God. How can I think of him with this Sakyabhav? Nee, hai. He gives us permission. Ye yatha maam prapadyante bhajam yaham gita. However you love me, I'll love you the same way in return. Shri Krishna's promise. So you want him as your sakha, love him with those feelings. 
they truly believed that Krishna was just their equal. They wrestled with him. They played with him. They never called him like, Oh, Bhagwan Shri Krishna. They never even called him Krishna. <laughs> they never called him by... Just like the friends I grew up with never called me by my proper name. In the town I was in, it was a small town. Everybody had nicknames. Everybody knew everybody. And nobody called anybody by their given name that they were named at birth. Similarly, Krishna's friends called him Kanaya or Kanua. They had pet names for him. So it shows their closeness. There was no idea in their mind that he's Bhagwan. Like when he lifted Govardhan Hill, you know, he lifted it on the pinky of his left hand. And not just, not even like this, but just on the end. So it was standing on the nail and he was holding it like that. And there were hundreds of thousands of Brajwasis who came and took shelter under Govardhan. So you know what the Gwalbals did? Do you think they were amazed that, oh, look at our Krishna. How is he so strong? Do you think maybe he's God? They never thought that. They immediately rushed under and pushed with their sticks that they used for cow herding. With all their might, they were pushing and holding it. And then there started to be some conversation amongst the Gwalbals that, Look at Kanaya. Even in such a dramatic situation, such a crisis, he's being so lazy. He's only putting one finger. If this mountain falls, we'll all be crushed. Hundreds of thousands of us. You know how uh, if you have to lift something heavy, everybody grabs on, but there's always one person who just puts their hand and, you know, pretends to be lifting and goes like, oh, yes, come on, lift. But they're not actually taking any of the weight. So the Gwalbals are saying, at least if he would put his whole hand and pretend to be holding up the mountain, he's not even pretending, he's just putting his finger like that. So when this is over, we'll give him a hard time about this. So Krishna is hearing this and he feels happy. It's making him happy to hear this. So this is the greatness of Sakyabhav. It brings us so close to God if we adopt this mode of worshipping him. But there are two more bhav beyond this. Vatsalibhav and Madhuribhav and we'll take up those tomorrow. Today we'll finish by doing a kirtan, which uh, also, since some people are celebrating Janmashtami today, we'll sing a kirtan called Nanda Maharaghara Bhajata Badhai, that in the house of Nanda Baba, there's a great celebration for uh, the birth of Sri Krishna.